You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So we're in the final week of a six-week series on the book of Galatians. Now, who can... Uh, let me, let me uh, see if I've done a reasonable job of communicating and uh, teaching this past six, five weeks. Who can tell me what are some of the key points we've learned about the book of Galatians? Grace, not law. Grace, not law. Okay. I think I did better than that, didn't I? Because <laughs> you're shy. Oh, I'm not done. Absolutely. It's the main point. But are there any other points? Minor points? Okay, now it's just getting awkward, isn't it? So uh, let's just, uh, okay. What was happening? What, what was, okay, first off, where is, Galatia, where, is, where is this place at? Where's Galatians? What is that? What is Galatians? It's in modern day Turkey. It's a group of churches, wasn't it? So it's not just a place. There's literally multiple churches. We don't know how many. We don't know if there's three or 23, but we know there's multiple groups of people in these regions or in this region, and it was a circular letter that Paul wrote, and it was passed from church to church. And as they would read it, then they would, they'd go, they would um, share it with one another. What was the issue? What was Paul writing about? What was, what was happening there that caused him to write this letter? Adding rules. Okay, adding rules. There was a group from Jerusalem who were trying to be helpful, uh, because, you know, the, 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 basically the people in Galatia were having a hard time leaving their immoral lifestyles from the past. They were Gentile believers. They did not have Jewish traditions and customs and, and their, in their upbringing. So they were coming at this from their own backgrounds. And they were having a hard time separating from that and now living a life that was God-honoring. And so these Jewish believers were, came from Jerusalem to try and help them by saying, all right, here's the law. In order for you to be truly spiritual and to truly please God, you need to follow the law of Moses. The law of Moses at that time were 613 rules, and so they were, and including circumcision. Um, so there was quite a few things that they wanted them to do. Um, Paul then is writing this letter in response to that. He says, what in the world are you doing? Um, why would you even consider this? That we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. That we're free to live life. So, but he didn't say that. But was what he he said that we do have an obligation, but we're not obligated to follow the law. We're obligated to walk in the spirit. We're obligated to walk in the spirit by loving one another, and that's he he actually connects the two. Walking in the spirit is actually serving and loving each other. <clears throat> so instead of being, um, so today we're, we're, as we're wrapping up this, this series, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into what it means to love one another and to serve one another. If you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along the screen, we'll be reading uh, chapter 6. I'm actually going to start with verse 1. We're going to read through verse 10. <clears throat> Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. 
Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, that we have another opportunity to uh, dig a little deeper into Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Lord, help us to see things maybe we didn't see before, to, to understand maybe in a more clear way. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, change our hearts. We invite you to have, your, to, to have freedom to do what you desire to do this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a few things, um, and Connor, I'm going to actually ask you, can you go back to verse 1? If someone is caught in a sin, a few things that uh, I want to point out here about the passage. Caught, the word they're caught, is not you catching them. It's like, aha, I caught you. Okay. Another way to look at this is trapped. The focus is on them, not you catching them. The focus is on them being trapped. Um, so they're stuck in something. Um, and trapped, they've been overtaken is another, another way of looking at this. Um, so just to put that in perspective, that it's, this is someone who has an ongoing problem and they can't seem to overcome it. Uh, and clearly, it's, it's a sin, it's, so there's a moral, uh, ap, you know, there's a moral um, um, connection to it, but it's one that, that they're just having a hard time getting through and getting over and getting rid of. Okay, so that's the first one. Verse number two. Oh, wait, we got part of it. Yeah, okay. Carry each other's burdens. Burdens, uh, another way of looking at it is oppressive burden. So this isn't just someone who's having a bad day, um, you know, who's, who's off and forgot the box back at the, the central office. This is someone who has an oppressive burden. Uh, that uh, and it refers back to one they're trapped. They really can't seem to get out of it. Can't seem to shake it. Notice here they, it also says, and in this way, if you do this, you will fulfill the law of Christ, which is what's the law of Christ? Love one another. Okay, it's been the theme throughout uh, the, this letter. Then verse three: If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself thinks they are something, essentially what he's saying there, in light of the prior two verses, he's saying, don't let conceit cause you to think you are above restoring someone who is trapped in sin, or that you are too good to help carry another person's overwhelming burden. So again, we, in, in the context of what he's talking there, he says, don't, don't think that you're above this, um, that you need to be helping people. This seems to be part of what we're doing. And then verses 4 and 5, Test his own actions. <clears throat> um, 
actions here actually is in contrast to the prior verse when he says, if you think you are this, if you're too good, your actions should be different. And so he's making a direct contrast there. But he's focusing on the doing. Um, and each person should carry their own load. What's interesting about that section there, uh, for each one should carry his own load, most uh, Bible scholars think that that's actually one of those Proverbs of the day. It's, it's a saying. Uh, and so what he's doing was Paul was bringing in a common saying or slogan that was from the day into the context of what he was, uh, he was, what he was sharing. Um, what's, what's interesting, though, it is kind of awkward uh, because he's talking about serving other people. The idea of carrying your own load is actually an autonomous, individualistic kind of a thing. Um, so he, he brings in a common saying from the day. But actually, it's a little awkward. It would be as if I said something like this. It's important for us to serve others because the customer is king. We've all heard the customer is king in business. Yeah, so customer is king. And so I was bringing a saying from the culture into this idea of need to serve one another. It works, but it's a little little bump in there to, to, to make that point. Uh, but that's what's happening in that uh, particular uh, verse. Um, and then next verse, verse 6, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. That sounds a little self-serving, doesn't it? I mean, because who is their instructor? Paul, who wrote the letter. I mean, that's... All right? So... Um, most people, um, when they're studying the book of Galatians, this verse is the most troubling verse in the whole letter. Um, troubling, maybe another word might be confusing, puzzling, um, because it makes absolutely no sense. In the context of what he's talking about, there's nothing that precedes it that they can tie it to. There's nothing that follows you can tie it to. And it just seems kind of odd that it's there. But what we do know is that Paul is not advocating for himself. Um, so let me, in case you were uh, concerned for Paul there. Um, but what he's doing is that he's advocating for those who have followed him, who he left in positions of leadership. So those who are aligned with him in, in as far as the faith, who are now the leaders and instructors in the faith, they're in the churches in Galatia. It's still an odd place to make that, that statement. Verses 7 through 10 are fairly straightforward and, and uh um, I'm not going to um, elaborate on those at all. Um, so to Paul, when we're talking about this idea of walking in the Spirit and serving others, you know, what does that look like? And in this particular verse, there's, there's three very specific things that he tells us that we're to be doing if we're to be walking in the Spirit and to serving others. The first one is that we are to restore the fallen. Restore the fallen. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. When uh, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans uh, in 2005, uh, there was just a huge rush uh, to go into the area to provide relief services. And there just was a lot of attention, energy. The media was there. I mean, every news crew was present. I mean, there was just, it, it, it was just so pervasive. Government involvement, although they've been criticized for responding slowly, eventually, you know, they were still there. You know, FEMA and, and there's government response. Nonprofits were in there. 
Money was pouring in. I mean, there's all kinds of fundraising things to try and help people, and, and rightly so, and that was, was appropriate. It seemed like every church I talked to or was aware of was sending down work groups to try and help people down in, in New Orleans. Um, at the time, we were in Connecticut, and our church um, intentionally waited for almost two years before we got involved. And the reason was this. At the beginning of a disaster like that, there's overwhelming attention given to relief efforts, making sure that we're trying to stabilize the situation, making sure people have water, have shelter, and they're trying to to get things, you know, at that level. There's very little attention given to development. And what we talk about that is we're talking about the the restoration of infrastructure, businesses getting back on their feet, um, churches being rebuilt, you know, things that take long-term investment and time. So while the relief efforts are critical, you need to get things stabilized, you need to get people water, you need to make sure they have shelter, the development efforts are much more long-term and much more long-lasting, but they're also much more difficult, much more time-consuming, and much more costly. So it is with people. Crisis intervention is essential. But walking along someone long-term is another thing altogether. And many of life's great challenges are not fixed quickly, if at all. Whether it's we're having problems with relationships, drugs or alcohol, other addictions, pornography, There's all kinds of things out there that have people trapped, and they can't seem to get out of it. Paul is telling us that walking in the Spirit means making a long-term commitment to people. Notice he says to restore them gently. Let the Holy Spirit provide the conviction. You just continue to love them. So Paul tells us that we need to restore the fallen He also tells us we're to help the struggling. In verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ, again, as you've already rightly pointed out, is the call to love one another. In John 13, Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then James says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So here too, the challenge for most of us is not a one-time act of giving or one-time act of assistance. Most of us are willing to do that. The challenge is getting involved with someone who will require long-term help and assistance. Uh, Some years ago, we were in Minnesota at the time, and... uh, 
James and Tina visited our church, and uh, Tina got into a conversation with Betsy. Uh, she was working nursery duty that day. That was back in the day when we had kids in the nursery, so this was a few years ago. And um, they got into conversation, and <clears throat> as, as most people do with Betsy, just start kind of pouring out their life and telling them their, her, her, their story. And uh, Tina had severe diabetes. Had had childhood and, you know, diabetes and had a, uh, it was it was a very severe case. And um, <clears throat> Betsy and just in the conversation that you have friends, you have people alongside you who can walk with you through this and kind of help and support you. And Tina says, uh, "It's very difficult to be my friend. I'm in the hospital almost more than I'm out of it. This, I am not." She's a very gracious individual, a lovely person, but her life was such that it's difficult to be there with her and walk through this with her. And what was interesting was just that she admitted that up front. <clears throat> so as this conversation is going on, Betsy felt the Holy Spirit speak to her mind, you are to be Tina's friend through thick and thin. And she was for the next 15 years until Tina passed away. Hundreds of hours on the phone, <clears throat> countless visits to the hospital, and on more than one occasion, uh, we wrote a check to buy them food or to pay some utility bill. Um, to me, this epitomizes what it means to walk in the Spirit. We were uh, at lunch uh, with... Uh, uh, Jerry and Donna a few months ago, and Jerry was sharing with us just the individual that God had brought into his life, that he had the same kind of prompting, that this was an individual he needed to invest his life into and spend time with. And here's, here's the thing that, that always gets me, or that it always captures my attention. These are always relationships of inconvenience. They are. They are not easy. They, they require time. They require emotional energy. Sometimes they require financial assistance. But that's what's happening here. And that, to me, is what epitomizes what it means to walk in the Spirit. We're not motivated by need. And let me, let me, let me make sure I, or, or, you understand that. We're, we're inundated with needs all around us. It's not just the need, it's the, the hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this need is the one I want you to give attention to. I understand there's other needs, but this one. And being able to respond to that particular need is what is significant. Hearing the Holy Spirit in the moment and then acting accordingly. So Paul is telling us he wants us to restore the fallen. He wants us to help the struggling. And number three, he wants us to do good to everyone. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to live our lives not for ourselves, but for others, especially those who belong to the family of faith. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In closing, uh, let me, I want to circle back to wrap up just some of my thoughts here on this to, to verses 7 through 9. A man reap, reaps what he sows. <clears throat> Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. 
Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap, reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, Paul here uses a very familiar farming metaphor to, I, to, to talk about spiritual truths and realities. Very much like what I talked about the offering. When we give, there's, there's very specific things that happen to us in a positive way. And God says, test me, see if this doesn't happen. Um, likewise, negative things are prevented from happening. Paul also talks the same idea here. He's saying if you sow in the flesh, in other words, if you do things that are earthly, that's what you're going to get back as well. Or if you invest spiritually, that's what you're going to get back. So the question that must be asked is, what are you sowing? If we actively live out our faith serving others, we are sowing seeds that will bring a good harvest. So uh, within that, and again, if, those of you who are f familiar with farming or planting and growing, you understand the, the correlations here. But the, one is that we reap what we sow. So based on the topical content of Paul's letters, we can infer that the Galatians were argumentative. They were conceited. They were envious of one another. They were indifferent to the needs of others. And they were prideful. And Paul was saying very clearly, this has to stop. This is, this is not acceptable. This is not what it means to walk in the Spirit. This is not the life we've been called to follow. We need to be doing, we need to be living a different way. Scripture is clear about this cause and effect relationship between our actions and the consequences of those actions. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But each of us will reap what we sow. Paul was very clear about the value and the need to sow into other people. Another thing about sowing is that we reap a multiplication of what we sow. I was, I was curious, I actually looked this up yesterday. One kernel of corn, if you were to plant that kernel, one stalk will grow from that corn or from that, that seed. Usually on, a, on that stalk, there's anywhere from two to four ears of corn. Each ear has about 800 kernels on it. So if you've got a two-stalk or two-ear stalk, that one seed produces 1,600 other seeds. That's the metaphor in talking about farming is that when you plant this, you will reap even greater things than what was planted. Here's the thing, though, I find this intriguing about life. I mean, it's easy to understand this when it comes to farming because it's, it's, it is very scientific in that regard. With people, it's not so much. It's very difficult to determine ahead of time what we will reap when we sow into the lives of people. Uh, in other words, hopefully the goal is a transformed life. Hopefully that when we invest in others, they will overcome the challenges, that they will... Um, um, yeah, they'll, they'll overcome their challenges, they'll be restored, and their life will be transformed. Oftentimes, though, what the greatest area of growth is in ourselves. For 15 years, I never heard Betsy talk about the relationship, about what the relationship with Tina cost her. However, to this day, I hear how much Tina's life positively influenced her own. 
Yes, there's a multiplication in what we sow, but it's in a way sometimes we can never even imagine. Lastly, we reap in a different season than when we sow. It's easy to get caught up in the timing. Paul is speaking here to the inevitability of God's fulfillment. It may not be to our liking. It's rarely to our timing preference. Some of you have been sowing seeds into the lives of loved ones for many, many, many years with little evidence of growth or change. What I think Paul would say to us and what I would certainly want to say to you is don't give up. Don't give up. What's very clear in this passage, do not become weary for doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. It will happen. It will happen, and don't give up. As we wrap up this series in Galatians this week, Paul's letter to the Galatian churches touches on three things. Access to God. We're saved through faith, not works of the law. Talks also about the proper Christian lifestyle. We should be committed to, the lo- to love one another. We should not be committed to the law. He also then talks about the loving expression of the Christian faith, which is to serve one another. So our access to God, grace through faith, not law, talks about our proper Christian lifestyle, the commitment to love, And it talks about the expression of that Christian faith, which is to serve one another. In each of these, the Holy Spirit brings them about and enables the believer to work them out daily in their lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. Father, I'm grateful for uh, just the, the words of wisdom. I'm thankful, Lord, that as well that the Galatians struggled. <laughs> Not, I don't uh, revel in their struggle, but just that it's an example to all of us that uh, very few, none of us have things worked out. And that, that doesn't disqualify us from your love and your mercy and your grace. In spite of those shortcomings, you continue to reach out to us, wanting to restore us into right relationship with you. So, Father, any who are here this morning who are wrestling with that relationship, may they reach out in faith and accept it as truth that you love them and that you want to be in right relationship with them. Father, for those who might be struggling um, in an area of life, may they find that freedom in you this day. And, Lord, I'd also ask that you would bring to mind those maybe who we should be investing our lives, into whom we should be investing our lives. Father, are there there people around us who need us, who need that where we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to them? So, Lord, I ask that in the days ahead that we would be conscious and aware of those opportunities that might present themselves. May we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. May we sense that prodding in our heart. 
Lord, may we have the courage and the strength and the boldness to act in a way that would be appropriate. Lord, I do this in Jesus' name. I say this. Lord, we commit all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.